decision-making. It's something we do every single day, multiple times a day. And it can be overwhelming and debilitating. That's why I'm so glad we're hanging out with today's expert. Welcome to The Grit Show, Growth on Purpose. I'm Shauna Rodriguez, and I'm honored to be leading you on today's journey as part of this community, learning and growing together as seekers and thrivers. I'm glad you're here, and I hope you stick around until the end. I'll tell you more about our summer giveaway. Today is the last day to enter. Kirsten helps overthinkers trust their choices. She spent years moving her life and career forward, master's degree in tow, feeling way more angst than certainty. Despite success and smarts, she second-guessed big and small decisions, overvalued others' opinions, and usually catastrophized about what could go wrong. Coaching allowed her to finally feel calm, clear, and confident, so she could feel present in her life, and that's exactly what she helps clients do now. Welcome, Kirsten. I'm so glad you decided to join us. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I would love to hear a little more about your story. Can you kind of lead us through your path from your Yale master's degree to where you are today as a coach? Yes, happy to. I always did theater. I think I got into it the way a lot of people get into it because I did it as a kid and then I just like never stopped and never had a master plan about this is exactly how I'll make money in my life. (laughs) I just kept on doing it because it was fun and I think looking back, I can see I didn't really overthink it, which high five. So I found my way into stage managing in undergrad, and then I just kept on that track. So I worked professionally for a couple of years, went to Yale for the master's degree for three years, and I was like good at my job. I was really good at it. Never felt like it was my purpose. Mm -hmm. That question never really came up. I just kept doing it. At some point, I think I stopped doing it just because it was fun and more because it's what I had always done. And I was really good at it. And especially like every overthinker I meet is also like an overachiever. So it's hard to stop something you're good at. And I just wanted to keep getting better. And it was also my identity was all wrapped up in it by then. So by the time I got out of grad school, I both knew I was going to quit this job and also had like just gotten the graduate degree. Invested a lot yeah. of time and energy and life force into this path that I was like, I guess I'm going down this path now. So it de-escalated from there. I kept doing it. I followed a boy to New York, stage managed, just kept doing my job, kept looking for more gigs, kept Loving it sometimes and still this big question was in my mind of when are you going to figure out what you're doing next? Uh I didn't feel a rush to answer that question, probably because I wasn't looking directly at it and realizing like, this is legitimate. Yeah. (laughs) So I just stayed and I ended up, I'm not regretful of it. It is definitely why I teach what I teach now, but I stayed (laughs) in it long, long time and Ended up making my way back to LA where I'm from, worked for the biggest theater company in town, made wonderful friends, had great experiences, had terrible experiences. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, me finding my purpose was like, I'm one of those stories that like, I just 
got so disillusioned and worked with someone so miserable that didn't know how to process their own stuff. So they took it out on everyone around them. And mm-hmm. that was my last show. I was like, okay, when we finished that tour, I got back to town, had gotten rid of my apartment, had nowhere officially to live, had no job. And I was like, what I do know is I'm never working for anyone else again. I'm never working in theater again. I'm not working nights. I'm not working weekends. I'm not getting yelled at. I'm not making anybody coffee. (laughs) You learned a lot. You had a lot of decisions right there, huh? Yeah, it sucks to have to get to that point and finally Mm. watch yourself make a decision that's okay. Now I want to have the conversation with someone. By then, thank God, I had exposure to coaching. I'd had a teeny, teeny, tiny, did a five-week program with a group that changed my whole life. But I went back to that coach and I made that decision like, okay, this is an important question to answer now. What am I going to do next? It just stings looking back. You were asking that question for seven years and you never made it important to answer (laughs) until you were miserable and desperate and anxious. But that's how I got there. If it's not directly in front of you, you can put it over there long enough and not have to look directly at the question. Yeah. I think a lot of people can identify with that. I think we've all had those big questions, but if we get far enough away from them, they look smaller. So we keep stepping yeah. back and further away because we don't want to acknowledge how big that question is. So, 100%. Actually, that's the episode that's coming out on my podcast. It's number 12. And I talk about, amongst other things, three behaviors that are very common for overthinkers when we don't feel clear. We usually avoid it totally. This will probably solve itself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm busy. We're going into tech. We have a next thing. I can't uproot my whole life right now. Or we angst about it. That's like when you look directly at that question, I think, but your like, face is so close to the screen. You're like, I can't see anything. It's just <laughs> terrible. If you're that close to it, it doesn't actually exist because you can only see one little thought of it, not the actual totality. Yeah, you're just totally, you're just focused mm-hmm. on, on how terrible it feels to not know all the answers to the questions and it's all you're focused on. It's like, you know, having an injury and then just looking right at it hurts. And it's like, that's not helping anything. Not to invalidate that pain, but like, if that's all you're doing to address the pain, it's like, that just magnifies it. So I think I, I did all of it. I avoided, I indulged the angsty drama. And then another thing I did, and I see people doing a lot too, was like trying to outrun the lack of clarity. Uh So like, I didn't feel super attached to my old job. I didn't feel purpose. You know, I read Big Magic and I was like, what is she talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Who are these people who are so passionate about What? That's a thing? No, that's not really a thing. I don't understand you people. No, I don't understand this. And it's crazy because like I work with Mm -hmm. artists exclusively with like creative people, but very few people, I think, I mean, I don't have to go into a whole diatribe about theater, but I worked with a lot of people who were just in it because it was fun. Mm -hmm. They were good at it and they did manage to find the jobs that paid good money. And I made good money, but a lot of people were in it for their ego and were in it for, I don't know, whatever else they got out of it. And then a lot of the people who are really passionate and they're like, art is my purpose Mm -hmm. are super passionate, are like not making any money. Mm -hmm. That's not who I was working with. So- that was kind of a side note, but 
I never felt like that was my purpose. Oh, but I did keep trying to outrun clarity by just working harder and like hoping clarity would come to me. Yeah, just magically appear. <laughs> Which it didn't. Yeah. So, so finally, I had that conversation with the coach. That's like the end of the story when I find my purpose. Is I was convinced it was going to be this huge, freaking six month minimum, horrible, terrible, difficult journey. And I had like a 90 minute conversation with her. And she was like, You sound like you kind of just want to help people feel better, like when you felt better. In, when you got coaching. <laughs> You're like, what? No, it's going to be harder than that. I waited too long to figure this out. <laughs> That's the other thing too. My therapist had said, you should be a life coach. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll just go get a, whatever I thought life coaches did, right? I'll go get a bunch of crystals and then I'll, I'll just be a life coach. I'll just change my whole identity and like what master's degree. And then I got a life coach and it changed my life. And then I met with her after I decided to quit my whole career. And she was like, I think you want to be a life coach. <laughs> and I was like, how is this so obvious to everyone else? How is this so obvious to everyone else? Is that something you work with people on? I think that our brains are so noisy. I think it is sometimes impossible to hear ourselves clearly, especially if we're not practiced in it. If you don't like actually realize that you can't hear yourself and you can't and you have no idea how to, I think it's very hard to hear yourself clearly. And a lot of what I do with my clients is just repeat back to them things they say, because we can hear ourselves sometimes, but we can miss the magnitude of what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Like one of my clients right now is changing the structure of her job because mm-hmm. it is, in her words, not sustainable to continue as is. Mm-hmm. But I had to tell her that she said that like at least six times because we can downplay how important the things we want are and the things we know, like not even that we want. It's like she was like, no, it's not sustainable. And I was like, okay, you said that. That's what you want, right? Yes. It's like, we're pointing out that big thing in the corner. Let's move it a little closer. Let's move it a little closer. Because you see it. You see it a little bit closer. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, what might life look like if I decided I was going to be a life coach? (laughs) I love how quietly we have to say that. If I change everything but my identity and everything that's important to me and go this whole different direction when I already have my master's degree over here and all of my friends and all of my life and everything I've built over here and I go over here, what does it actually mean for me? I think identity being wrapped yeah. up in it is a big part of it. Yeah, for the, I think for the at least the first six months, but maybe even the first year, probably the first year, people would ask, what do you do? And I would introduce myself as like, well, I used to be a stage manager. <laughs> But it was, that's how much it was in there. Yes, that, that totally makes sense. So as you made this shift and then you've come up with your specialty really is around decision-making. So how did that come to be in the forefront for you as what you specialize in? How did that rise to the top as what your clients really need to support around? Yes, I worked one-on-one with people for uh, about three and a half years. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, I would work with anybody on anything and found out quickly who I like working with and who I'm good at working with. And as I got more training and as I worked with more people, my clients and I became more and more, you know, cohesive. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of that three and a half years, I sat in a pile of notes because I create a decision anchor for all my clients, which is 
vision, goals, and values. Mm-hmm. You make sure they, they know who they are and where they're going, even if they have lots of questions about that yes. too. And I like printed everyone's out. I like, cut them all up. So I was like literally sitting in piles of visions and goals and values. And I was like, okay, what does everyone have in common? Wow. <laughs> it was such a fun project. I really... I gathered everyone's core values together and I found out like, what are the type of people that I work with? What do they tend to value? And that was super interesting information. And then like, what are their vision statements? Like, who are they trying to be? Who are all the people I'm working with trying to become? Mm-hmm. And what are their goals? And I'll, I love your question of like, how did it rise to the surface? Because it literally like, everyone had goals about like taking faster action, not overthinking. And I just started seeing the common denominators rise to the surface. And I was like, it's decision-making, which seems broad on paper because like everything is decisions. But really when I started looking up, okay, who's teaching Mm decision-making? Like where can people go for help with this? I didn't find anything. (laughs) (laughs) I found stuff for business people. I found stuff for C-suite people, stuff for, you know, Decisions on parenting, decisions on organic farming, (laughs) but there's like, I couldn't find anything that was like, what if I just feel like a smart, functional person, but decisions feel harder than they should be. And like, that's what everyone that I worked with with had in common. Well, I'll do it. it We need someone to step up. You've got that. Come on. (laughs) All my clients are such wonderful humans too. I was like, I got to get all these people in a room. Because everybody thinks that their problems are so unique and overthinkers are so hard on themselves. They're like, I shouldn't have this problem. I shouldn't be doing this. I should be better at this by now. (laughs) And I found myself always telling people stories about other clients, you know, within the bounds of anonymity. But I was like, y'all just need to hear from each other and see that you're not alone. Like really connect with Mm -hmm. people in this intention to become a really self-trusting, like powerful decision maker. So I did. I put them all in a room together. But it is so much yeah. fun. You yeah. know, primarily you work with groups more than one-on-one or did you both? It's group, but it has one-on-one included in it because sometimes you just need that time for yourself. So I was just like, we'll do it all together. But the group aspect is really important. And I think I hear both things from people who join because some people join community. Mm-hmm. They're either working alone or they just know themselves and they they know that they like teaming mm-hmm. up to accomplish a goal. And some people kind of join almost in spite of the group. That They know that the group is there, but they're more interested in what they'll get, which is like trusting every decision they make. And then they end up being so grateful that they're like, oh my gosh, we couldn't do it without the group because it's like, you have to hear these other people's stories and you have to be able to watch somebody else get coached on something that you need. But like, like I said, when sometimes our heads are so noisy, sometimes we can't hear ourselves clearly or hear other people clearly. So what do you find is the most common factor that holds people back from making decisions? That they don't really understand what they're afraid of. I think if if you're not making a fast decision or you're making it and then you're like, <laughs> you're, you're dipping your toe over the line and then back, you're making it and then you're unmaking it and you're rethinking it and you're second guessing it. I think what I see nine times out of 10, it's not confusion. It's not indecision. It's just a lack of awareness about fear because everyone I work with is very smart. I'm sure all of your listeners are the same, right? 
It's like, we think we should be smart enough. So if our brain has come up with a question, we should just expect ourselves to be able to answer it. And if we're not easily answering it quickly and confidently, then we're like, oh, that means there's something wrong with me. When really looking at a decision you're going to make, you go straight to investigating what you're afraid of in the sunshine, like not, not doing it on the side in the dark. You really go directly to that. It makes the decision so much easier, makes that process so much faster. You acknowledge what it is that's holding you back instead of trying to blame it on yourself or just feel like there's nothing there. You actually acknowledge what the elephant is or what the spider is walking over. Yeah. And you don't invalidate the elephant. That's what I mean. If people are aware of their fears, usually what they are doing is like invalidating it by saying, I shouldn't be worried about that. I'm really worried what other people are going to think, but I I know I shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. But it's like you are. (laughs) And it's it's affecting literally your whole life because you're not making this decision. So instead of just deciding we shouldn't, we shouldn't be afraid. So it doesn't count. So let's not talk about it. Let's talk about it. It's like the simplest thing, but it's it's the game changiest. Game changiest. That is my favorite Kirsten word so far today. So the game changiest thing is to identify what it is that has that fear, acknowledging it, knowing it's a thing. And then I help people. I kind of talk about it as like becoming fluent in fear. Like I help people understand, like open up lines of communication with themselves super, super clearly so they can watch themselves want to do something, get afraid of XYZ, and then have a constructive conversation with themselves about that fear, those perceived consequences, their needs and wants, so they can move forward. That's wonderful. And I usually help facilitate that conversation to get to to begin with so that they can like, practice having it on their own. There you go. Do you have an example of a yeah. client where they're perceived fears and this decision-making got in the way of them kind of realizing their purpose and you were able to get to the other side of that? Well, I have a client right now who is moving into one Mm -hmm. career and out of another one where it's very similarly to me, although she's like much more accomplished and highly educated, but she had a lot of investment and a lot of identity Mm -hmm. in this different career. She knew pretty clearly she was done with this one. And it's interesting because her purpose isn't exactly in this new career. Her purpose is much more self-focused, which is like, my purpose is to enjoy my life and love my family and make a bunch of money because that's fun and Uh do more of what I want. Like it's, I love her. I would be interested to hear what her conception of her purpose is right now, because it's not as attached to this job thing as I think it used to be. Do you hear that a lot? Yeah, I think that's actually one thing I'm hoping we get yeah. to explore more is that understanding that purpose yeah. doesn't have to be wrapped up in your career. That's often when you lose your purpose because you wrap your identity and you try to attach your purpose to your career and it's often mismatched and it gets confused. And so knowing what your purpose yeah. is doesn't have to be connected to your career. And sometimes you can realize your purpose through the work you do and through your career, but not in all cases. And it gets dangerous because careers can shift and change. Careers can get lost. Yeah. And so it's kind of knowing that deeper part of your purpose so that you can keep it flowing. And that even goes with if your purpose is to be a mom and to be part of a family, to understand your purpose is to give your nurturing and your caring and your love to people closest and dearest to you. And so it can shift and change 
as a mom, right? So that that can shift and change as a season yeah. of being a mom can change. So that as you look at yes. purpose to see that deeper layers of it, like you're saying, like her deeper layers, not, yeah. she might've been realizing some of that through her career, but that didn't mean when the identity got wrapped in, it's hard to get away from that career. And that's why it's exciting to be yeah. able to separate those things out and find yourself in there so that you can be able to move towards what's really realizing your purpose. I love that. I love that it doesn't have to be what so many of us grow up thinking it should be, or we're taught from mm-hmm. someone that your purpose should be the job you choose. You better choose a good job too. It should probably help people, especially if you're mm-hmm. a woman. So I love that she, she let herself get some space to find out like, what is my purpose? Like really in terms of what do I want the purpose of my time to be, my energy and the fear, like natural fears came up. Of course. Right. So she was afraid of certain things. Like what is somebody going to think? What, what relationship is going to be compromised Mm -hmm. by this? What is it going to mean if I don't immediately make money at this new career? And of course, that's not how fears present in our mind, right? We're usually like at the surface level, it's like, oh, I can't, like, I can't, I can't disappoint that person. Mm -hmm. But if that's how it's sounding in your head, it's like conversation, right? Because it's like, well, if you think that, then you're right. Like you're making yourself right. So it's like, okay, we can't. <laughs> so I just helped her just continue the conversation. What do you think is going to happen if you don't make money right away? And really like separating out the fears and to simplify things, really separating out like, well, I'm worried about this logistical bill payment. It's like, great. You can address that on its own. What else? I'm worried that like my husband's going to judge me by itself. I'm worried that like, I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. It's like, great. That's so good to know. We'll address that by itself. I can't not make money. Right. Same thing with like the fear of like the FOPO, right? The fear of people's opinions. She was so afraid of what someone was going to think and like what the consequences were going to be. And, it, and it's so hard to do on your own. It's so hard because your, your thoughts get all piled up on yourself and your anxiety is making your head all cloudy. So it's really nice to have some help and just separate out your fears, simplify it and like take them on one at a time. So she got to make that purpose that she was becoming clearer and clearer on and anchor into that than this nervous system reaction to like the thought of like not making money or upsetting this person. Because you can see when you look into it and you really investigate that fear and see how much is behind that initial like knee jerk fear. Of course, your nervous system is like wanting you to shut down and run away because look at how much is baked into this one tiny thought. I can't make money. It's like you're worried about this bill and your husband's opinion of you and like your what whatever failure means to you so it's it's just like breathe and then take on one at a time so it doesn't feel impossible and then in the meantime she gets to keep going implementing her decision to actually make this career shift instead of staying stuck in that fear not really understanding what it's about and missing out on living her purpose yeah and it's like layers of cellophane that you stack them all up and it just looks black and you can't even see through it. And so you need someone else to peel yeah. out these layers and find those colors for you because you can't even find where they unpeel. <laughs> yes, that's brilliant analogy. That's exactly what it's like. So, yeah. Yeah. So coaches, very useful. They can help you peel back those layers and find the different colors so you can stop just seeing the black that's blocking you from the things you want and finding your purpose. I love a good analogy. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful thing. I don't have confetti, but I have analogies. <laughs> I'll take them. We'll trade. I'll for take sure. them. <laughs> that works. So 
in your life, when you were able to pivot to be able to do coaching and finding this, what does that feel like to find the place where you fit and where you could offer what you had? Mm, it actually feel like I'm sitting into my purpose. Like I found my lane. Mm-hmm. If I really think about that specific question, it felt calm and joyful at the same time and very like grounded, like certain, unattached. Because when I'm in my purpose, my purpose is helping free the world of overthinking. Mm-hmm. Like I want I want to help all the overthinkers because I can see on a timeline just how much of my own life I missed out on because I was so mm-hmm. in my head. And I don't want anybody to miss out on their life. Our time is not guaranteed. We don't have to go just like jumping off cliffs and spending our 401ks on yachts. But we do have to have really good reasons that we not act on our dreams. Mm-hmm. When I'm in that mode with people and I'm having conversations that help them prioritize themselves, hear themselves more clearly, a self-honoring decision, even if they like laugh about how small mm-hmm. it is, but they still know they, they're going to celebrate it in the group because they're like, I actually know this is a big deal. That feels like, great. I don't need anything else. It calms the part of my brain that it's always trying to plan the next thing and look ahead to like, oh my gosh, we could do this and we could do that. Where are we failing and what's everyone else doing? And all of that noise, it's a calm place in my brain. And that's why that's the interesting yeah. juxtaposition of the name of the show be The Grit Show. And yet the conversations are all about finding the ease and trying to help people realize yeah. that like, we have grit. I think my listeners have grit and too often... People try to associate the grit with being stuck in that career and just working harder at something and persevering where you shouldn't be and moving more in the quicksand to just like look at yourself deeper instead of actually getting under the quicksand and finding where you're supposed to be, where things can flow and be in alignment and you can be using your strength and using your purpose and finding where things move easier. So that's why I love the title that's the listeners. But I definitely want us here to help people look at the what you have the grit. Let's look at how you can flow easier and having better (laughs) decision-making and not being paralyzed by all the options. Definitely part of that. You are such a gift. Thank you. You are too. (laughs) Well, then I'm glad if you come together. That's the perfect combination. (laughs) Yeah, I am too. Yes. And you have a lot of exciting things that you offer just on your website for people to be able to explore and figure some things out for themselves. Can you talk a little bit about some of those things that you have? Yes. Delicious. Um, I have the podcast. So you can listen to the Decision Masters podcast and start undoing your overthinking habits right away. Build that self-trust. Make a fast decision. And on the website, you can go to kirstenparker.com forward slash checklist and get this like really beefy checklist. You, it, it takes a second to get through it. It's, a, it's six behaviors to make every decision easier. Nice. And you can go to kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz, take the momentum quiz, get your personalized action plan so that you can figure out what's killing my momentum. What exactly do I need to do to reboost it? It's going to be super easy fun. And you can go to uh, kirstenparker.com forward slash clarity and get the clarity workshop. If you really are in this like purpose finding place, or you want to just organize your thoughts and get some goals down on paper, it is so good. Nice. Lots of great options. And she has some great reel that I see 
They are so much fun. I love them. I met her and then I thought of and I'm like, you were so entertaining. Oh, and yay. so easy to identify with. It's on Instagram. I, I don't know if they get posted to Facebook too, but I hang out mostly on Instagram because I find Facebook more overwhelming. All right. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, KP co- at KP Coaching. KP Coaching on Instagram. Great way to find you. I love it. You guys got to check her out. And I'm excited about the podcast. I haven't listened yet and I'm excited to do that. The other thing we get to talk about a little bit is self-care. What do you do for self-care, Kirsten? I slow down. (laughs) I'm like a fast talker. I'm a fast worker. So it's very easy for me to just work and never stop. And so my self-care is really like allowing myself to slow down and savor moments like savor nice. a little snuggle with my perfect angel baby pup, Clive. Like I made our little balcony into an oasis because I love loving my environment. And I think those are things that like those little things that are not at the top of the list and not the most important thing for you to spend your time or money on get kicked down the road a lot. Yeah. So I think that my self-care is like interrupting my own inner overworker, overachiever, hustler voice and like lovingly interrupting that. (laughs) It's okay to make this other thing important so that you can go out and have a morning cup of coffee on the balcony, which is now covered in palm trees, obviously, Obviously. and like savor it and not need to go through a to-do list in your head or not need to cut it short because you probably should be working. It's allowing those ease moments to stretch out and just soaking them up. That's awesome. As part of our desire to spread self-care, we have a series of coloring books. Our first one is out. It is The Vintage Mermaid and Magnificent Ocean one. And we're going to be having one coming out soon, which is the You Got This, which is inspirational quotes and funny saying. And so we send one of those to each of our guests as a thank you. So Kirsten, do you have an idea about which one of those coloring books you would like to have? Oh yeah, you got to quote me. Give me the quotes all day long. Quotes and funny sayings. Quotes and funny sayings. Done. We're going to give that to Kirsten. I I love a quote. She find a good quote. I like it. I like it. So we are going to send you a copy of that as soon as it comes out. And you're going to have to post some of those pages once you get them colored. Deal. <laughs> it's about your, your way of expressing yourself on the page, however that yeah. might be. <laughs> self-care skills. Self-care. Yeah. Self-care skills. That's the skill yeah. I'm looking for. Exactly. And so then as our listeners are walking away from our podcast today, what are some things they can just do tomorrow, tonight to add to their day to help them look at decisions and be able to cut through the overwhelm a little bit. Mm, I think it would be fun if you're listening to this and you want to take on a little 24-hour challenge. I think it would be fun to challenge yourself to make fast decisions. Nice. Not fast decisions about like your 401k, like I'm saying. But if there's, <laughs> uh, if you're planning a lunch, you foresee yourself overthinking that a little bit because you're getting nervous about what is, are they going to like this? Am I going to want that? I would take that opportunity to just make a fast decision and commit to it. You can make the stakes as low or high as you want, but I think it, it's so fun to start proving to yourself, like I can make fast decisions and just make them easy and simple and the world will not catch on fire. Nice. The, the stronger you make that muscle, like in little tiny decisions about lunch, the easier big decisions get, the more quickly you can make them, the less drama there is. So I would say you go build that muscle, make a fast decision about lunch. Done. 
done. All right. Next 24 hours, everyone listening, whatever time, but check your watch right now. The 24 yeah. hours is make the back decisions and see how that feels and see how that looks and build those muscles. Yeah. All right. That sounds like a great actual way to do things. Thank you so much, Kirsten. That was very valuable. And for everyone listening, the reminder is to get your free overthinkers checklist. It's on kirstenparker.com slash checklist. Thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you, Kirsten, for being with us as well. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And before I let you go, I want to give a shout out to one of our wonderful listeners who took the time to leave us a review. Christina wrote that the grit is heartfelt and pure. Just give it a try. You'll laugh, cry, and realize you are not alone. Thank you so much for that, Christina. It means a lot. If you haven't left us a review yet, don't worry. We understand how daunting your list of things to do can be. You can put your review up on Apple Podcasts or whichever streaming service you use. It means a lot to see what you have to say. It's a great way to help others learn about what you like about the podcast and help them find us. I look forward to connecting with you again next week. Until then, take care of you. You know I mean that. You're the only one of you that this world has got. And that means something.